You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Ramil, the host of Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please make sure to follow the show if you haven't already, wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episodes. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Enjoyment isn't the end game, it's the whole game. And at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you can enjoy it. Well, wrapping up the week here, it's been a pretty good one. I know I fell an episode short of my daily podcasting, and I apologize for that. But hopefully I made it up with some good content. And uh, I hope that I, I touched on a lot of the subjects that most of you are interested in. I will be touching on a little bit more on the Kyle Lowry situation and a potential additional addition to the roster that might make it a little bit more interesting for Kyle to consider the heat. I'll also look at some of the officiating rules internationally and how that changes in the NBA and whether or not a change needs to be made because I think a lot of people are upset about the current state of officiating around the league. But I'll start off in Las Vegas with the unfortunate news that Bradley Beal has entered the team's health and safety protocols for Team USA men's basketball. Now, he he's not just in the health and safety protocols because of a positive test or anything like that. He is has tested positively for COVID-19, and so that's an even bigger concern there. And it, it took some reminding from none other than our very own Bam Adebayo, who spoke to media uh, earlier Thursday afternoon, and as everybody was all set to ask questions as they had of Greg Popovich before, and I think of Draymond Green following that. Everybody wanted to know, oh, who, who's going to replace Bradley? You know, who is it? You know, who have you considered? What's the right option? Things of that sort. And, and Bam reminded us, you know, rightfully so, this is about a not a, just a player, a person who has COVID and, and has now should get our sympathy. And, and so that was a good reminder. And I and I really do appreciate that because it's. It's kind of humbled me to some degree. I, that's not to say that the topic of this segment will be Duncan Robinson as a potential replacement for Bradley Beal. So uh, even even as I feel like an idiot doing this, uh, the reality is that we should be more considerate of Bradley's overall health and safety at this point rather than just what's the replacement, who's the, who's the right guy and things of that sort. So shout out to Bam. Also wishing the best of Bradley and his family because, well, I mean, he's got kids, he's got a wife, and hopefully he feels better and has a long-term recovery. I, I don't know what his status is as a vaccinated person or not, so hopefully he'll be able to recover and and just get better overall. But the, the decision has been made by Team USA and Brian Colangelo and uh, the powers that be that somebody needs to replace him, and I think... One of the names that is most likely to be considered is Duncan Robinson. And I think Tyler here will get some consideration. You have other players in the roster, like uh, Darius Garland from the Cleveland Cavaliers, who might get some consideration, also a member of the select national team there. So I, I think between Hero and Garland, guys that they already have in the USA system that you know have been practicing already, Hero, I think, is training with Drew Hallen in Las Vegas and so it would probably be just a matter of him saying, yeah, sure, I'll be available if he does replace Beal. I don't know if he's ready for that step. I, I'm sure that would probably be – well, look, all of this doesn't really matter because in a couple of weeks it's going to be a very different team anyway, maybe even as soon as a week and a half. 
depending on how the NBA finals wrap up. You're going to have Drew Holiday. You're going to have Chris Middleton. You're going to have Devin Booker. I think Booker seems the likeliest option to fill in what Bradley Beal was capable of doing, another playmaker, score, shooter. I think uh, Chris Middleton could certainly fill that role as well. And Holiday brings a much-needed compliment. To, to me, I think Holiday and Booker would be the better starters, maybe Lillard to some degree. But Lillard is smaller. Holiday, while bigger, is also a better defender. And we've seen over the first three exhibition games that you need somebody to provide some quality defense. But, of course, his season's going to be you know, just having wrapped up. He's going to be tired. You don't want to put extra stress on an older body and things of that sort. So there are things to consider as far as who's the best starter. But, I mean, if you're looking at just Duncan as a possible replacement, I think he fits in perfectly. I think he is a player who is high IQ enough, understands his role perfectly in Miami, has understood his role at every level, and I think has the necessary work ethic and understanding of what he does well to be able to fit alongside those players and playmakers. There's the familiarity with Bam that's going to be a natural fit. A guy like Draymond, if he's the starting center and the playmaker that he is, will find Duncan cutting the way he does Clay Thompson, and if Duncan's positioned from the perimeter, I know that Draymond's going to be able to find him with ease when he's creating from the elbow and things of that sort. I, I just There's too many reasons for it to make sense. That's not to say that Duncan is considering this or not. I know, conversely, he's also looking at a big payday this summer and whether or not he wants to risk injury and whether or not he wants to take a chance at, at hurting that possibility. Those are things for him to consider. I... I I don't know what the status is for free agents in the past. I, I I don't know if people have gone and participated in Olympic Games or even World Championships and, and, and FIBA basketball in general, if not, if they have like a contract situation looming over them. I mean, the reality is these players, even for a player like, you know, like Nikola Jokic, you know, he, he's as big a part of that national team as anything, and yet he chose to stay and work on his game this summer after a long run in the playoffs and a long run last year and through the Orlando bubble because, I mean, he knows where his, his bread is buttered. And he, he has to continue to work on his game now to become the best player he can in the NBA, and then he puts his country second to some degree. Like, this isn't a knock on him, and I know a lot of people will take it so, but I just think he understands that he has a priority and his priority right now is, is to bring his team, the Denver Nuggets to a championship. And, and so I wonder for Duncan, whether or not he has those same kind of priorities, what's his goal here. I mean, I, I know he was looking forward to the process of, you know, being wined and dined by team of being recruited, of having guys call him. And if he's in Tokyo and he has to delay this to some degree, I don't know if that's a realistic possibility. So right now I would place the odds of Duncan representing the United States at 10%, um, probably even less than that, just because of the overwhelming need for him to be able to at least, again, be an active participant in this. Like he's going to be in the Olympics with free agency set to kick off on August 1st and the Olympics not ending until almost a full week later, even though he could theoretically medal right before that and then travel as quickly as possible. I mean, we've seen what happens. Look, maybe this is a very different timeline than it has been years past where you don't have your superstar like a LeBron James or Kevin Durant, that first domino that has to fall for everything else to fall into place. I don't know if money's, uh, I don't know if teams are going to allocate X number of millions of dollars to pay Duncan if he's overseas and can't agree to a deal. 
So you don't just earmark that kind of money for a player of Duncan's quality as good as he is. So I just, it's not, he doesn't have, he can't hold the NBA hostage uh, the way LeBron or Kevin Durant can, let's just say. And so he probably needs to be there early on in order to finalize whatever deal he can. I'm sure he will probably agree to something. I don't know if fairly quickly, but I would say probably within the first two days or so of free agency because he'll get his offers before that. He'll weigh them out. And then he'll have time to consider because the money will dry up quickly and we'll see a flurry of deals on August 1st, even as, you know, the Olympics is taking place concurrently. So that's a lot for Duncan to to take into consideration. That's unfair also to have a lot of pressure on him to have to make that decision between one and the other, especially when he's entering such a crucial phase of his professional career. Who knows what will happen four years down the road? I mean, assuming, again, that he is going to sign like a four-year deal or something around those end, uh, around those lines. Who knows, if he's, who knows if he's going to be able to cash in four years from now? I mean, look at look at Joe Harris as an example. I know all too easy, perhaps, as a comparison, but he just got his four-year deal after a couple of years toiling away. And now, four years down the road after he gets this deal, do you think teams are going to be lining up to add Joe Harris the same way they did this past year? You think they're going to roll out the, the Brinks truck for Joe Harris in three seasons? I, I don't see it. So, you know, I think for Duncan, uh, not to say that they're the same player, but I'm not sure what his future holds for him as a shooter. I'm not sure what his future holds in the NBA in terms of uh, being able to continue to get that big payday. This might be his last best chance. And so he, he needs to take advantage of that. So, again, 10% seems high. I think he's a perfect fit there. I think it would be great for him to be a part of this. I don't think Tyler is a realistic option either because you'll probably be able to get, I don't know, somebody? Kyle Lowry maybe? I mean, I think he, he wants to probably take that offseason off as well. Uh, I, I don't know who else is out there. Can you convince Steph at this last minute to, to be a part of this? Probably not. I think he's probably very heavily involved in playing golf. Can Jimmy do it? Should Jimmy do it? Absolutely not. I'm sure there are other options that I'm not considering out there. Uh just off the top of my head, I really can't think of it. I, mean, I think a lot of people are suggesting Trey Young. We've got enough gunners with exploitative defense. I don't know that you want to necessarily add another. That would not be my pick either. So I, I, I think Duncan you know, has his issues, clearly. I mean, for anybody who watches the Heat regularly, they understand that he's probably not a perfect player by any stretch. But given the rules of Olympic play – he would be able to capitalize on them. He would probably shoot close to 60% alongside Kevin Durant. I think he's tall enough. He's a good enough defender. He can make smart plays. And again, that high IQ, his understanding of his role, even playing along guys that he's not entirely familiar with, I think he would adapt fairly quickly. He might not start, but I'm pretty sure he'd flourish. So, Speaking of FIBA, there's some questions about the rules and whether or not they should apply to the NBA, and I'll answer that in the next segment. You're listening to Locked on Heat. But let me tell you a little bit about Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, but there's so much going on around sports right now with the WNBA, of course, the NBA Finals, uh, UFC and MMA action. So much to consider. And if you want to place a wager, the best place for you to do that is over at Bet Online. You can see all the information they have on their great website. So this is your opportunity. Don't sit on the sidelines. This is your chance right now to get into the game as teams prep for the runs of the final. Place a wager. Head to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts, and don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON.
Miami Heat are out of the playoffs, but the road to the finals still continues. And our coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. At 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. It's been fun, right? I mean, that game four, pretty exciting. Uh, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo caps it off with a pretty big block that a lot of people are talking about. And, you know, there have been some silly comparisons about whether that ranks as far as the top blocks in all-time uh, history regarding the finals. And, you know, of course, Bam's block gets some consideration, although it was in the Eastern Conference finals. But uh, a fantastic play from Andre Kumpo and, and for Chris Middleton to be able to score 40 points in a crucial game for, I, I think, if they lose that, going down 3-1 in the finals to a really good Phoenix team and going back to Phoenix, not a good possibility for them. So I'm not quite ready to proclaim that the Bucks have figured it out. I think, look, I mean, I don't know what's going on with Chris Paul. I'm sure somebody has probably provided a pretty thorough breakdown of his struggles, but he does seem to be hurt. I think some people have suggested that there is also a lingering wrist injury there that might be impacting him, but he's, he seems shaken. Uh, he's not making the right plays. Obviously, no longer the athlete he was, but he can't get to the rim with the same ease he once did. But his inability to make the right play and turn over the ball at such a high rate, uh, this is... This is not the performance a lot of people expected from Chris Ball in his first finals. I knew, I thought he was going to be an X factor because he's a guy who has so much pressure to be able to pull this off because this is his last chance. His last chance. Suns fans will tell you otherwise, but there's no way of predicting what this team is going to be like next year, what the NBA landscape is going to be like next year. So for a guy like Paul at his age, he's not going back to the finals. He made it once. This is it. Do or die for him. And if he wants to be the guy who has at least one ring, this is his only opportunity. Moving on, this question comes in from Billy, uh, one of my most loyal listeners and a guy who always is willing to send in some great questions. He writes in uh, via email, watching the U.S. versus Nigeria game for the Heat players, I noticed this. The NBA players, bam, egregiously in this one clip, spent too much time baiting for fouls. Does Adam Silver need to examine how the refs intentionally, or internationally, excuse me, call the game during the Olympics and make those adjustments to the NBA? I'm not saying go back to the 80s slash 90s dangerously hard fouls, but make it an offensive foul if you lean into the defender who's in the air like Kevin Love did or flail like a fish out of water like Bam on that pick and roll. Just like that and all the foul baiting, if Harden wants to shoot 10 plus free throws a game, then make him earn it by getting to the rim. Don't bail him out uh, for little or no contact. I know Dwayne Wade made a, a killing with that jump stop, get the defender in the air, and then jump into him, but at least he also tried to make the shot. Nowadays, players contort their bodies so much that it's like, are you even trying to shoot the ball? Because if that's your form and the way you actually shoot contested shots, do you really deserve to be in the league? I'll say this first and foremost. I like the way the international games are called. I, I do not like the constant foul baiting. I do not like the constant foul calls. The pace of the game is slower. I, I think it's just it's just different. I, I want it to go back to the way it was. Like even watching you know, Euro Cup soccer and watching players take those same things for the NBA and apply it to soccer. Maybe it's you know vice versa, but just constant fouling and falling and, and just looking at referees and looking around for a call. And yeah, you're often going to get it because in a split second, it's so impossible to determine whether or not there was in fact contact. So you just have to go in there with a, a huge mindset of saying, you know what, we're not going to call these. It has to be, it has to be particularly egregious. There has to be really strong contact, visible contact, and a shot attempt, and a clear shot attempt. Not I'm leaning forward, kicking my leg out, or anything like that. You go up, I you know, you get slapped across the arm or hand or something like that. That's a foul. That's fine. 
If you go in there and you kind of throw your shoulder around to hope to get in contact and you get a foul call, no, that's not going to happen. So I, I like the way the FIBA games are officiated. To answer Billy's question, is that going to be ever implemented in the NBA? Absolutely not. I don't know what it'll take for a, a – it would have to be such a massive response from the audience – to say we're not we're not going to watch basketball anymore. We're sick of the way the games are officiated. We're we're sick of watching these games, and just like it would have to be such a huge financial crippling, and that doesn't seem likely considering the ratings for the NBA Finals and NBA playoffs are just as good, if not better, than they ever have been. I know a lot of that has to do with more televisions. I think it's, I'm not a television expert. I don't necessarily care. I think the product is fine. I, I look. I have a complaint but I still watch more basketball than almost anybody. Uh, and I think you just have to get used to it. Uh, the reality is it does slow the game down and I can understand exactly why people are upset about it, but we still continue to watch anyway. And we're going to continue to watch moving forward. So given all that, I think there's absolutely no likelihood of a change coming. And I think partly part of that reasoning is for a guy like silver or even before him, uh, David Stern, his predecessor, you're trying to hype up your biggest stars. Your biggest stars have to be scores, and there's no better way of determining those scoring abilities than points per game. And if a big chunk of those points per game, just like Michael Jordan back in the 80s and 90s, just like James Harden, just like Jimmy Butler and anybody else, Kobe Bryant, Allen Iverson, I mean, I, I know a lot of probably a younger generation love Iverson's game and everybody talks about him pound for pound being the best player in the NBA at some point. But I never really gravitated towards his style of play because I think a lot of that was that same foul baiting and everything. And maybe it's easier to, to draw a foul call when you weigh 170 pounds and you get thrown around and you're kind of, you know, mixing it up and going into the paint and in the restricted area and drawing some contact, but it, it didn't seem like it started to me, anyway, it felt like between Jordan and then Iverson and then Kobe and then, of course, other players, Dwayne, uh, you know, James Harden obviously has taken it to a whole other level. The game has just continued to progress to this point. And I think that's still a, a big part of the marketing tools. You, you're looking at the best players, the best scorers, and they draw fouls. Consider Jimmy Butler. I mean, how much, how many of the games last year in Jimmy's first season with Miami was he able to win? just because of his ability to score, to get to the line with the highest free throw rate in the league, second, I think, or maybe even close to James Harden's. You know, that kind of ability to draw the foul, slow the pace down, something that we needed on more than one occasion during the playoffs and certainly during the regular season. I, I think, you know, for the Heat, they thrive. They need a guy like Jimmy to be able to get to the line. So it would take a rapid departure from everything that this league currently is built on. And I just don't think they're willing to do it. I don't think anybody in the NBA front head office is saying, yeah, you know, we're okay with saying X player can only score you know, 19 points per game because he can't get to the line 11 or 12 times. It's just very unlikely. They want these kind of debates. And, and look, you know what? As bad as everybody hates officiating, the reality, as I've mentioned before, is one, you can't count on it. You cannot count on officiating changing a game one way or the other. I think it almost always invariably evens out. Two, I think, again, people are still watching it. And three, even if they're, you know, even if officiating does wind up impacting a game, everybody talks about it the next day or even immediately afterwards on social media. Oh, how did they get that call? Devin Booker got a no call in game four, and everybody was talking about how friendly the whistle has been for, for Booker and the Suns and things of that sort. So that that is a stirring debate that the NBA does definitely want to keep alive. 
And so they cannot just reduce the impact of officiating. And I mean, I've seen people talk about the Olympic exhibition games as uh, lacking in energy. And maybe it's the, maybe they need more officiating. Maybe it needs to be a little different. I don't know. But I don't make those decisions. Those are a little bit above my pay grade there. So sorry, Billy. I, I just don't think it's ever going to change. I think they could have all the points of emphasis that they do on a yearly basis, and it's not going to do a damn thing. I think they still want guys that are able to score 30-something points per game, and if a big part of that happens to be getting to the free throw line, then so be it. They accept it. But moving on, I'll talk a little bit about Kyle Lowry and a former teammate that might join him in Miami if that's what's necessary. Is that the right move for the Miami Heat? I'll talk about that in the next segment. But first, just a reminder that Rock Auto has been around for two decades providing service online for auto parts customers. You know, you go into a store, you have no idea what you're looking for. Maybe you have some vague notion. You start asking people to look it up on their computer. Why bother going through all that? You've got a computer at home. You've got a computer on your phone. You can go to rockauto.com the same way people have for 20 years. Let them find the parts for you. It's so easy on their website, so easy to navigate. With just a few easy clicks, you get just the parts that you need for your car or truck delivered directly and safely to your home. I just don't know why you'd bother going through that process of going to a store and hoping that they have the part available in their warehouse when you know rockauto.com can get it delivered directly to your house in just a matter of days there. So I think it's the right move. And if you need parts for your car or truck, then go to rockauto.com right now. Find the low prices that they have available because their prices are the same for everybody. Not just, uh, you know, you, you get a special uh, percentage off if you're a car dealership or something like that. No, no. You get you get the same prices at rockauto.com as everybody else. So go right now to rockauto.com. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Then go to the section that says, how'd you hear about us? And write the phrase locked on so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need. That's rockauto.com. July 19th, the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 is presented by Locked On and Odyssey, featuring analysis from the GOAT of NBA Mock Drafts, Chad Ford, and Odyssey NBA experts Brian Scalabrine and former general manager Ryan McDonough. Our Locked On NBA local experts will make selections and trades for your favorite basketball teams throughout this week-long special event. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Odyssey is your home for all the sports podcast music and news that matter to you that's a-u-d-a-c-y so i put out the call yesterday already got a couple of suggestions some players that you might want me to take a look at to see if maybe they fall out of the draft and if that's the case that maybe miami could swoop in there and find a way to add them to the roster maybe sign them to undrafted free agent maybe they'll find the next duncan robinson we'll see They've had some success with that in the past, so I don't doubt that they're looking to add some additional players now, and we'll see what happens. It should be it should be an interesting process, but if you've got some names or suggestions, guys that you think are, you know, let's say, the 61st best guy in the NBA draft, maybe the 65th or the 70th or the 80th, the top 80 guys in your drafts, maybe they're in that bottom 20, send me their names, and I'll look ahead and see if maybe they might be able to Fill a role, uh, you know, maybe add and contribute in some way to the Miami Heat when it comes to, you know, undrafted players. I think Miami is certainly more than willing to give them an opportunity to outwork everybody and prove that they can handle this responsibility. But uh, speaking of responsibility, Pete, my good friend Pete, writes in via email 
I think DeMar DeRozan might be needed in order to bring Kyle Lowry. Well, that's a possibility. Obviously, they were longtime friends and teammates over in Toronto. I think uh, Toronto, uh, Kyle, excuse me, was visibly upset and I think publicly stated that he was upset with the whole process, uh, that DeRozan was traded to San Antonio in exchange for Kawhi, and I think that rubbed Kyle the wrong way. He was pretty upset because he was losing his closest friend on the roster, and they're still great friends. I think they, they still talk regularly. I don't know. I can't judge whether or not his friendship with DeRozan is stronger than his friendship with, La- uh, with uh, Jimmy Butler. So I don't know how he feels about one or the other. Uh, I would say that just as far as a motivational perspective is concerned or what his reasoning might be, I think they're professionals. He's played the last couple seasons without him, uh, three seasons now without DeRozan. It just feels like that's such a not that long ago. But that is the reality. Since then, I mean, the Lakers and their sons or Bucks are going to be winning at championships that the Raptors did it a few years ago, and that was the first year that they acquired Kawhi Leonard. So it's been three seasons now. I think Kyle, I think Kyle's fine not playing with Demar. As great as they are, as as friendly as they are, I think if De, if Demar, who is a free agent, winds up signing, I don't know, Los Angeles, anywhere, wherever he thinks he has a chance at winning a title, uh, you know, he he could go over to. I guess he could probably play for the Clippers, too, fill in for Kawhi, who's probably going to be missing a significant amount of time. I don't know. I'm, I'm only speculating here. I haven't really thought about DeMar DeRozan's impact too much, mostly because as solid as a scorer as he is, I, I just I never really gravitated towards his style of play. I, I, I think, especially in the year 2021, the fact that he only averaged, you know, one and a half, three point, 1.2 three-pointers per game, a, a career high. No, I'm sorry. That's not a mistake. He actually averaged 1.8 a few seasons ago when he was in Toronto. But 1.2, he's just—he's never going to shoot the three ball. You can't count on him. 25% from the floor last year, almost 26. And who, who doesn't matter. Given what Miami's style of play is, the fact that you have – you need more floor spacing ability than you currently have. He, he Look, he's a guy who can create his own shot. He can work in that mid-range. I could see a possibility of him being somewhat, uh, you know, a complimentary player, especially given Milwaukee's defense and their drop coverage and everything else like that. You know, finding those seams in the mid-range, a guy like DeRozan would work if he's willing to embrace a lesser role. Uh, And I just, I don't see that being the case. I mean, he also averaged a career-high assists, uh, 6.9 assists per game last year with San Antonio. And so... There is playmaking ability. There is certainly an ability to create his own shot too. So he can he's a shot maker, a shot taker, a shot creator for himself and others. I mean, those are those are valuable things that Miami does need. I just I'm having a hard time seeing that fit. Uh and whether or not it's that much of a factor for Kyle, I can't say for certain. I, I just right now it kind of strikes me as that really isn't the priority for him. As the I think he a lot of people are reporting or suggesting that when it comes to Kyle Lowry, he's looking, one, for a big payday, and two, for an opportunity to continue to make a lot of money. And I don't think either of those things is likely to happen in Miami. So that's why I continue to say that as much as Kyle Lowry would be the best fit in Miami, I don't know that it's going to work out that way. So curious to see how it does play out. So Pete, thank you so much for sending in your question. Unfortunately, I just don't see a reality where DeMar DeRozan comes to Miami and whether or not that's the factor that helps lure Kyle Lowry here as well. Continue sending in your thoughts, suggestions, anything you might have regarding this podcast or anything you want to hear about. 
the NBA or even not the NBA. You want to ask me about my top five MCU movies or something? I don't know. A lot of people have, have interests outside of basketball, and I, I'm sure you have some suggestions for things that you want to hear about. I had a great question a couple weeks ago about some of my favorite vegetarian dishes. Those those kind of off-season questions, and believe me, it's going to be a long off-season. Those are great, and I appreciate all of those Continue to send in a bunch of your thoughts and suggestions because I do rely on those and I do read all of them and I appreciate all of the ones that do get sent in. So you can always reach me via email at lockdownheat at gmail.com. You can also reach me via Twitter using the hashtag AskAllHeat. You can always send me a message directly through the DMs on Twitter as well. Special thanks to all of our sponsors for supporting today's show, but special thanks most of all to you for listening and taking the time out of your busy schedule that's it for now. This is David Ramil signing off. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4:55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.